The information provided in this show is intended for your general knowledge only and is not intended to be, nor is it, medical advice or a substitute for medical advice. If you have or suspect you have a specific medical condition or disease, please consult your health care provider. Now listening to the Health Hero Show with Tim James. <laughs> What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here, founder of ChemicalFreeBody.com and your host for the show that defends public health by simplifying and demystifying how to live an energetic life with a flat belly. So if you're into freedom, a healthy gut, and staying young, this is the show for you. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here with another exciting episode of the Health Hero Show. Today in the house, we have Stephanie Enton. She is a lot of things, so let me pull out the list because it's pretty impressive. But most importantly, we had her on today because she is a birth doula. Now, just recently, we had um, a gal on who uh, was struggling with pregnancy for three years, and our good uh, uh, friend, registered nurse Karen Barr, was actually her friend, um, and she worked with her on detoxing and nutrition. She used a lot of our supplements and stuff like that to help her do that. And her, um, Anna just had, uh, not recently, not too long ago, had a healthy baby boy at age 40 after three years of struggling, uh, with trying to get pregnant. So, um, I kind of want to spend a little more focus on, you know, uh, children and, and going through the birthing practice, because the reality is, is in my opinion, we are de-evolving as a species. And, um, I want to get this message out and like, what's going on? What are the big problems that, you know, um, new, young kids that are wanting to get pregnant, what they might be facing, maybe what they should do to, you know, be healthier so they could have it, you know, healthy mommy, healthy daddy, and they can have a healthy baby, um, what to do during the birthing process, um, some things to look out for, things about Western medicine that may or may not be working that well in the hospital, and you might want to get educated on it so you're prepared when you go in, and some other options that you might not think about. Um, one of them is a birth doula, because I never even heard of a birth doula when um when i had my two children so stephanie uh thanks for being here you're welcome thanks sir thank you for having me yeah so stephanie has uh, a multifaceted career uh it started way back in her 20s she was a dietitian back in oklahoma um she pursued her, her acting career and modeling career moved to la in 97 and then she's appeared in a lot of television shows and commercials you know sex in the city budweiser volvo ally mcbeal but her longtime yoga practice decision to become a yoga teacher in 2003 led her to becoming a birth doula. So I really like that, um, that like, through health and through doing yoga, that got you into that, which is really cool. And you also have a photography company called Little Plum Photography. And in 2014, um, she started specializing in birth, maternity, and newborn photography and videography. So she's a pretty badass chick. She's doing a lot of stuff. She's healthy. She knows about nutrition. She's helping um, young mothers and young uh, fathers through the birthing process um, hands-on, which is really cool. And she's actually, uh, you know, uh, taking photos and memorializing these very special events. And I can tell you, I looked at some of your photos and they're like, they're awesome. They're like, there's just so real and raw there, you know, with the mom and the baby or the dad and stuff like that. It's like so cool the, the what you were able to capture for them for the rest of their lives and you actually won like a pretty big award for your photography too, didn't you? Um, I did recently. Yes. Thank you so much for the sweet compliments. Um, yeah, this year I won um, best in category for the Click Magazine voice image competition of the year. Um, it was in a category called the year 2020. And I entered a birth image 
um, an image from a birth. Uh, and I was just totally blown away that it was chosen. So it was an image of um, one of my client's husbands. Um, he's my client too, but he was, um, we were waiting to go into the cesarean. Um, and he was just sitting there praying. Um, and I just caught the moment. I yeah. just saw it. Yeah. Awesome. So I'm pretty photo. proud of that. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Those, those, the, that's awesome. You're able to grab that for the rest of us so we can always look at it. It's pretty cool. All right. So why don't you tell us, I mean, I kind of gave a little bit of background, but like, you know, you're a working class person like myself and like most of the people listening. Um, where did you, where did you grow up? Where'd you start out? And uh, let's just start with that and how you kind of got this journey to where you're at today. Yeah. Um, I was born and raised in Oklahoma, a very humble background. I grew up, um, you know, going to my grandpa's farm. We had uh, horses, cows, um, just spent my childhood in nature and um, growing up going to the lake. And it was a really beautiful, you know, childhood. And um, I got into modeling and acting. And I also became a dietitian. I decided I should probably get a good degree because I was interested in health and it, I, it, let me backtrack. I was doing sports growing up. I was a softball player. So I think that's where my initial interest in nutrition and health kind of was sparked. And yeah, cause you wanted to compete at a top level. <laughs> so you totally. want to have every advantage you could have, right? Yeah. Because I began to notice the connection between what I ate, how I felt and how I looked. Um, and I probably was a little too strict on myself at times, but I just began to notice the connection. So, um, yeah, so I just became a dietitian because food, you know, is medicine. Food is everything, you know, and. Well, anyway, I, I got a so, question for you. So you went through, you went through sure. like Western medicine, like, you know, society's dietitian school, right? This wasn't like an offshoot plant-based version of the time. So. What did they get right as a dietitian in, in the training? And just what did they get wrong if you were to give like a, like a big, you know, 30,000 foot view of that? Wow, that's a big question. You know, I mean, I guess what they get right is, is just the basics of um, the biochemistry and how the body metabolizes calories. And, you know, you have to learn how to calculate calories and how does the body metabolize, metabolize fats, carbohydrates, and things like that? But then um, what they get wrong, in my opinion, from what I know now, is they are so biased in their opinions based on the funding that they get from the dairy council, the meat council, you know, a lot of the advice that the nutrition organizations are told to give is based on the funding and the information that they get, get from these organizations. And so my, and th that's when I started to notice, I was like, wow, this is, this is not okay. You know, <laughs> like my own organization, um, the American Dietetic Association was sponsored by NutraSuite. Uh, I went to the conference to see Dr. Weil, Andrew Weil, 
because I just, I wanted to, you know, see him in person and I had his books and, um, and then I noticed the bags everyone was carrying, oh, NutraSuite. And I thought, what? They're sponsored by NutraSuite. They get money from, you know, this chemical, you know, that I was telling my own clients not to eat. So I just, that's when I realized I didn't want to be a member of my own health organization and my own professional organization. And yeah, so. Well, that's kind of crazy. Like, <laughs> you know, you invest all this time, effort, energy, and money studying to be a dietitian. And then later you kind of figure out that um, it's a lot of the stuff that they're teaching. You don't even, you don't even believe in it. And it doesn't make sense to you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So I've just pursued um, natural health and healing just on my own. Okay. I'm just pulling up an article. Um, yeah. uh, let me see here. NutraSuite. Where's it at here? It was a uh, NutraSuite company first began petitioning the United States Food and Drug Administration to approve uh, aspartame as a food additive back in the early 1970s. Mm -hmm. um, it had yeah. every intention of conveying its way by, to success by whatever means possible. And then they successfully got it in. Um, but the flawed studies and the behind the scenes manipulation, NutraSuite is once again, the same thing with a new chemical sweetener known as Neotame. So, you know, the bottom line is, is these are, these are toxic chemicals. Mm -hmm. Uh, here was some, here's an, something interesting. Two years before the FDA approved, uh, this new thing, Neotame, the Monsanto corporation sold the NutraSuite company to JW Child's equity partners. Monsanto. Yeah. Sunny delight. So, I mean, it's just. It's like these things are just really bad on the human human body. And mm -hmm. and so you had here you are with the, the big gun, the National Dietitian, Dietitians Association, where you got your degree and everything. And one of their biggest sponsors is like giving people a cancer causing health destroying chemical. Yeah. Kind of crazy. You mentioned yeah. the dairy industry, too. So most of our listeners are have pretty raised consciousness here. And um, if you're new. Welcome. So um, uh, what I was going to say was, is that if we just stop and use common sense, and I like that you spent a lot of time on the farm, Stephanie, because you, you probably got a lot of common sense, you know, drilled into you. Um, that's just what happens when you're there. You just, you get taught by life because you're out there really experiencing nature in real life. Is that if you really stop and think about it, we are the only species on this planet that will drink the breast milk of another species. <laughs> Now think about that. Correct. I know. So that's just one thing to just let's just think about mm -hmm. that for a second. Yeah. So why are yeah. we doing that? Number two, there. number two thing to think about is that every species on this planet, pretty much, especially the mammals, we do drink milk. But when do we drink it? We drink it as an infant until a certain point in time when we're weaned off of it, and then we switch over to something else. So yes, we do drink milk as a species. But we should only drink our own mother's breast milk for a certain period of time. Hopefully, the prerequisite two years, ladies. I'm telling you, if you, I know it's a pain in the butt uh, to to do breast milk and do that stuff, stuff, especially if you're running a business or you have a job or whatever. And maybe breastfeeding can be uh, uncomfortable. I'm telling you, you are going to save yourself. This is an investment in your own health by feeding your child breast milk because your child, if you don't do this, is not going to have the good immune system. And you're going to have a sickly child coughing and colds and flus and out of school. And you're going to have to pick them up all the time. And you're going to have to, it's going to be a lot more work 
taking care of a sick child that is a healthy one. It's totally worth the investment of the breast milk. Right? Yeah, definitely. That's a huge component and getting your getting started out, you know, on a healthy immune. Yeah, ab- absolutely. So my whole point is, yeah. is like, if we yeah. use common sense, if we use common sense, um, just as a, you don't have to be a dietitian or a nutritionist or a doctor. You can just use common sense and be like, why would the Diet- Dietetics Association promote a cancer-causing ingredient, NutraSweet? Why would they align themselves with the Dairy Association who gives us breast milk from another species that's been manipulated? A lot of times they inject them with hormones and antibiotics, and there's just a whole bunch of stuff. And we can't even digest it. We literally don't have a substance in our stomach called renin to break it down, but a baby cow does. So with these common sense things, that's how weird our world is today. We have mm-hmm. these massive organizations that are kind of telling us what to do. And because we're too, uh, the working class, they just think we're stupid and we're not. People are waking up. And unfortunately, people are starting to wake up because we're, we're getting so sick. So, yeah. well, unfortunately, so, profits over people, um, yeah. you know, becomes really what it comes down to is the money. So keep going here. So you, you're a, went through dietitian school you this is what you notice as a dietitian so then what's next because I know you got into yoga was that the next thing what's next yeah I was uh, I began studying yoga in my living room um, because there were no yoga studios in Oklahoma so I went to Target I bought a VHS tape (laughs) of a yoga teacher named Rodney Yee and he was doing this beautiful yoga with um Hemingway, what's her first name? Mark, Mary. <laughs> Some Margaret. cool lady. Um, Hemingway, that actress. Oh my gosh, I'm totally forgetting. Oh, that's anyway, okay. it was this beautiful yoga tape um, in the desert, you know, blue skies, all wearing white. And that's where I started yoga. And when I came to California, I joined a club in Santa Barbara and I did my very first in person yoga class. And I just, I cried. I just, I don't know what it was. It just, there's something you, it, you know, you, you're called to something, but you can't exactly explain it. Was it so Mariel Hemingway? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> I had to look her up. Yeah. She was in Curious the Curious minds too. want to know. <laughs> yeah. And it just, I was like, oh, wow. Like I'm home. Like this is, this is it. So I just continued studying different types of yoga. Um, I did, I found the Golden Bridge Yoga in Los Angeles, oh. uh, because I lived near there, and it was Kundalini Yoga. So I started studying Kundalini Yoga, and I was pretty into it hardcore. And that's crazy. I, that, I remember that was like the crazy yoga. I was like the breath work. It's like <laughs> it's the breath of fire. Yeah, which you can't just, do when you can't do that when you're pregnant. But yes. Oh yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That yeah. They wouldn't allow that. I remember that they they mentioned that stuff, but. I actually yeah. had a, a literally an out of my first out of the body of experience doing that. Cause I was like, you know, you're doing the ones where you, you take your hands and I'm, I'm holding my hands up next to my shoulders. Like I'm about ready to do shoulder presses. That's what yeah. those of you who are listening. Oh my gosh, and then, you, I, know then you reach your hands straight up and then back down to your shoulders. It's like, you're doing a shoulder press. There's like, there's in, all um, kinds of, yes. Oh, yeah. there's so it's many probably of them. the most challenging, but I was doing this one, right? Like, <laughs> And just going as hard and fast as I could. And then I was just, I was getting tired and I was about ready to crap out. And all of a sudden, 
you know, and I, I would push myself because, you know, it's stupid because I, I know this. Everybody's on their own journey in yoga. But I was like one of the few guys in the room because it's mostly women doing yoga. And um, and I'm like, I, I, I can't give up. These women are still going. <laughs> it's just like it's so silly. That's totally ego. I let that go. But um, for something happened, all of a sudden, I don't know what happened. I literally don't know what happened. It only happened one time to me. And I, I, you know, I hadn't done Kundalini in a while since the whole mass thing and all that, because I haven't been in there, but and that's probably why it didn't happen again. But anyway, I'm doing this thing. And all of a sudden I just like, um, I could, I was outside of my body and I was like, I, I could actually see myself. And it was like, I had on a white t-shirt and like some colored shorts, but I saw myself in like this completely white outfit, white pants, white shirt. And I was like glowing and there was this light streaming up from my head. And I was like, holy crap. I was like freaking out. And then all of a sudden that stopped and all, and I don't know, that was like some, I don't know how much time passed. And all of a sudden when I was just about ready to give up, all of a sudden I just went into overdrive. Just like, <laughs> and was, I just like, and I blasted them out until she was done. I mean, I'm telling you, I was done. I was, I was just about, I couldn't do any more. And I went faster than I ever had more breath, deeper breath. For another probably two, three minutes, because, you know, sometimes you do that breath work for three minutes, five minutes, mm -hmm. can be 10 minutes doing just crazy breath work. And it was just like, and when I got done, I, my whole body was charged with energy and tingling. Like I would just, I had super oxygenated my body. I don't know what that out of body thing was, but then I went over to this girl and I was like, dude, I don't want to tell anybody this because people think I'm nuts, but I saw myself and she's like, oh, She's like, I saw everybody. She goes, I saw you dress like that and myself. I saw everybody. She goes, I was like, well, dang it. I didn't see everybody. I was, see, it's the ego. Got to let that ego go. I can only <laughs> see myself. So yeah. anyway, that was my Kundalini yoga experience. And it was, it was pretty profound. Um, I mean, it was pretty cool. So anyway, yeah. keep going. Kundalini yeah. is awesome. It is. You're right. Um, so yeah, I got hooked on it too. Like, you know, that feeling you're saying is like, it gives right. you, it gave me this feeling like no other yoga had. Anyway, so I decided I had been studying yoga for, I don't know, seven years at that point. And I, and I decided, you know what, I think I'm ready to be a teacher now. Like I just wanted to, to do that. So I was supposed to do an audition one day or a job or something and it fell through. So I was like, oh, I'll just go to yoga because she had this Gurmukh was the teacher with the turban, um, mm -hmm. Gurmukh Karkalsa. Um, she and her husband owned the studio and she had a Wednesday women's class. So I said, oh, I'll just go to the Wednesday women's class. And she made an announcement and she said, our prenatal yoga teacher training is coming up and you know, you should do it. And I thought, okay, that's why I'm here right now. Like, because this is it. Like, that's the kind of teaching I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm. So, and I always just, I don't know, I was drawn to pregnancy and this was way before I had. Yeah, you've had pet. like 16 kids, right? <laughs> if you count my pets. Yeah. <laughs> no, I have, two, do you have, Stephanie? I have two girls. Um, how, they're how old 15, are they? 15 and 11. Oh, cool. You're yeah. pretty busy then probably. <laughs> yeah. All Besides time. all the work stuff. Yeah. Even when I'm sleeping. Most important work, which is the family. Yeah. That's cool. Um, yeah, so this was 2003, and I signed up, I did it, and I started teaching at a studio in Encino called A Mother's Haven, um, 
And one of my students came up to me after class and she said, um, I want you to be my doula. And I said, I'm not a doula. And she said, I don't care. I want you there. You help calm me down. And, you know, so I said, okay, let's do it. And I called a friend of mine who was a yoga teacher and a doula. And I said, um, I don't know what to do. Like, what do I do? And she said, read this book, read this book and call me if you need me. So. So this is a perfect example. Um, and the people that have been listening and follow me for a long time, we know I always talk about the map, like my map in life in my business plan now is simple. I follow my highest excitement to the best of my ability every single moment of every day with no insistence on a particular outcome. So you went to yoga, you, and you never know how this stuff is going to unfold. Everything's happening totally. in perfect timing. Seven years of doing yoga out of your bedroom, out of your living room or whatever in Oklahoma leads you to a yoga studio in LA, right? It was LA? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it wasn't seven years in the living room, but it was, yeah. <laughs> right. But so then you, there you're doing this yoga like practice. You think I want to be a teacher and then it's like, hey, prenatal. And then this girl, this is the synchronicities guys that I'm talking about. When you follow your highest excitement, everything just lines up for you. So here's Stephanie's like thinking she's going to be a yoga instructor. You're probably like prenatal yoga. Probably never thought about that, but that's resonating with me. I like kids. I like, like being around birth. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. And then you get proposition. Yeah. I want you to be my doula. And you were like, I'm not a doula, but you, you were, you were and that person sensed that she knew it. So what happened? You, yeah. what happened? Right. Did you, did you go help her in the winter pregnancy and everything? I, I did. I went to her birth. Um, it was an interesting first birth. Um, her mother and her, her, her mother and her husband were arguing like, yeah, yelling at each other in the triage. And I literally had to say, you two take it outside and, you know, go in the hallway. So this particular woman, she had a pendulum that she would use, um, that she consulted to make life decisions or, you know, and so she said, I have to get out my pendulum to decide if I should get an epidural because, and I was doing all I could to, you know, rub her back and get her through it. But this pendulum was, you know, for her, was the thing that she used to help. Anyway, so I sat on the side of the bed with her. She got out the pendulum and she said, should I get an epidural? And it said, yes. So she said, okay, I'm getting an epidural. So she got an epidural and unfortunately her birth ended up in a cesarean, which, you know, being a brand new doula, never having been to a birth before was, and I went to into the surgery was just completely just eye-opening and, you know, wow, you know, because I had seen all this natural, beautiful birth in my yoga teacher training, you know, they showed us these videos of birth that I had never seen before. And I thought, wow, I didn't know birth could be like that. And then here I am, I get the opportunity to be a doula and then it goes into this C-section. And so I immediately, you know, was all this fear from this beautiful enchanted moment to fear, fear and, you know, well, yeah, I just, I was, I was opened up to both worlds, you know, of like how birth can go. So, but then as, but then it piqued my curiosity, um, even further because I was like, well, I want to be a doula with 
a different kind of birth, you know, a vaginal birth. Like I want to see, I want to help some, you know, but it was, um, it was a really great learning experience to have that, you know, right off at the beginning. Um, and then my other students asked me to be their doula and it just kind of, you know, went from there. And I studied hypnobirthing. Um, I got my training in hypnobirthing as a doula. Um, and so I decided to become certified. I thought, well, I should probably get certified. So I got certified with Dona, which is doulas of North America. And, you know, since 2003, I've attended home births, birthing center births, VBACs, twins, breach. Um, the whole you know, gamut. Women without partners, the whole shebang. So. Yeah. Awesome. Well, what we'll do is yeah. we're going to take a quick break. And then when we get back, I want to get into, since you have so much experience in this, and I think one of the most important things we can do is lay out for the young mothers and young fathers um, some of the pitfalls that they might be walking into. We can get that um, out to them ahead of time so they might be able to better be prepared and handle them um, when that stuff comes up. We'll be right back. The average person today is carrying around 6 to 12 pounds of impacted fecal material and mucoid plaque in the small and large intestine. That's gross, but worse, it's super unhealthy. That is why we created Gut Detox Formula. This ancient 1,000-year-old formula from India gently micro-cleanses the intestines, removing all of that funk and gunk and junk that is destroying your health while leaving your good bacteria behind, which is part of your immune system. And there is no diarrhea like most gut detox products, and it's made with the same chemical-free body promise, no stimulants, 100% nature, and always made in the USA. Get yours today at chemicalfreebody.com. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here. I'm back with my special guest, the birth doula, and so much more, Stephanie Enton. Stephanie, thanks again for being here. So we just, you had a really cool, I know you have so much more of your backstory. We, we could spend the whole time on that, but it was really cool, the experiences you had and the path that led you to be a, a freaking birth doula. That's awesome. Um, and I just think there should be like tens of thousands of birth doulas out there helping helping people. It's just such an amazing thing and so, so, so important for, during that birth, especially when people are not educated. It's like, especially when you have your first child, you've never been through this before. It's kind of a new experience and it's going to happen with or without you, with, with you or with you. Um, but emotionally it's a lot of people are not prepared for this and they go in and they kind of get steered in certain ways by certain people in a certain profession. So what are some of the big pitfalls that you've seen that these young mothers and fathers are, are walking into that they could and should probably take a really hard look at avoiding or having a different approach through the birthing process um, or maybe even getting pregnant all the way through anything. Oh my goodness. Uh, major pitfalls walking into planning a childbirth, planning their birth mm -hmm. it just would be um, just blindly following, you know, what their doctor tells them to do. Um, because oftentimes they are forced into inductions, um, unnecessary tests and procedures, and things like that. I mean, okay. yeah, that's probably one. So of the what, what else like about on like, um, well, since you're a dietitian, it's like, 
nutritional issues for mom and dad? Like what are, what do you see that they're, they're not doing to get pregnant? Cause that's a big problem today with all the fertility clinics popping up. It's a major problem for a lot of young people. They're not getting pregnant and they don't understand why. Uh, well, I, you know, I mean, I think that's multi factored, you know, I don't think there's one, it comes down to one thing, but definitely if you are wanting, if you're trying to get pregnant or planning on getting pregnant, it's important to, of course, look at your, what you're eating, like mm-hmm. re- removing as many chemicals from your diet as possible from the food that you eat, um, eating organic. Well, I really like uh, you, Stephanie, removing chemicals. That's cool. Yeah, I know. I, I thought you would like that. <laughs> um, so eating good food, healthy food, fresh food, nutrition. In your environment. Yeah, nutrition, eating organic, um, reducing seafood, which has mercury, the amount of seafood, the types of seafood, and your the, the products that you use on your body, like um, the parabens and all the chemicals, you know, just you have to look at your environment too. That's one thing I learned when, before I had my first baby, I didn't know about the BPA. I didn't know about the toxic chemicals and paint. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually wrote an article on BPA that was published. And then I wrote an article on how to green your nursery, like all the different things you can do to, to make your nursery healthier. So yeah, a lot of people not- don't think about that. You, you, you get the baby room ready and you're painting it with some toxic chemicals. They're going to off gas for the first four and a half years of the child's life and poison them. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. It's called, they're called VOCs. Um, Nobody would do that. Eventually, volatile organic compounds. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually painted the nursery and then I, I realized that it had VOCs in it and I made them come back. I asked them to come back and paint over it and redo it again. Yeah. Because I was so terrified. I just, you know, every new parent, they want to do everything right. And they want to make everything perfect. So, you know, just being knowledgeable about these things and doing everything you can in your, your own power is the best you can do. I mean, everything else is out of your hands, right? Like you don't know ultimately what's going to happen, but whatever's in your control, take control of that, you know, and you can control what goes in your body. You can control your environment at home absolutely and for any young parents out there or anybody wanting to get their house painted or whatever um don't forget to check out uh the green design center.com that's the green design center.com our friend over there andy um has been running that and i've actually had him on on my show i'll try to look it up while we have it if i can find it fast enough but um he has non-toxic building materials really really important stuff um when you're building a home so there's a lot of people today that have severe sensitivities all right they're they're highly sensitive to all kinds of toxins and stuff like that and so andy it's episode 57 of my show the health hero show episode 57 andrew pace toxic free building materials for home and office so for young mothers and stuff this could be really good you guys can go there. I think we might even have a, a a code for you if you type in use the code Health Hero. I think you get you get a discount on on that stuff. But the point is, is like it it's Stephanie hit the nail on the head. It's the environment. You have to think about the air your child is breathing. You have to think about the water your child is drinking. Like really think about this and make sure that it, the inputs that you're putting into that child are good because you're gonna you know you're gonna be drinking that water that's gonna be producing the breast milk that's feeding your child. So you have to watch this stuff for yourself too. And then, you know, fresh food, nutrition, 
And, you know, looking at things like um, harmful if swallowed, please contact the poison control center toothpaste. That's mm -hmm. probably not a good thing to be putting in your body at any time, especially before, during, and after a pregnancy. And you don't want your kids to be doing that later. And then the shampoos and, you know, I actually, this is a good point. When I go home to my mom and dad's house, there's always these commercials where these attorneys are spending thousands of dollars advertising to people. And I said, one of the commercials was about talcum powder mm -hmm. and how they're suing people now and getting a lot or the companies, they're getting lots of money because talcum powder, which is the, you know, the powder they put on a baby's butt on your feet and that kind yeah. of stuff. Can we mention causing the company? cancer? It's causing cancer. Okay. Yeah. Can we mention it's the company? Causing cancer. Yeah. And we're putting it on our baby. It's mm -hmm. like, we have to think about these things. It's like, it's so insane to me that something is allowed to be put onto a child that causes cancer. And then the, yes, that sad they, actually thing approve, is that, they actually approve it. And, and it, you know, they say it's safe, but then they retract later mm -hmm. and say it wasn't actually safe, yeah. which is one of the issues I had with NutraSweet, you know, same thing. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't take, it's like, what it's like, if you're associating with NutraSweet dietitian association, come on, what are you doing? Yeah. I know. I really, you're really stupid there, or you're corrupt. What is it? Yeah. Yeah. Take your pick. Yeah. I mean, it's like, would, what else could it be? I, what else? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's like, it's like, wait a minute. You're teaching a whole bunch of people to go out and tell the working class how to eat, what to eat, and what to do. And mm -hmm. you're aligned with things that don't even align with common sense. Yeah, exactly. Stop bashing them today, but it is what it is. <laughs> but I was going to say, I, I thought of something else that, you know, matters as well and is a big component is the your mental um, health, you know, just your mental state of being, being calm. Yeah. And your relationships. Um, because if you have a lot of strife and struggles and everything, because I see this in birth too, you know, not just getting pregnant, but having the baby, I I've seen labors go really long time because there was something the mother was struggling with, or there was a lot of tension between her and her partner or the family. Um, so the mental aspect of, of um, staying healthy, you know, it's, it's something that needs to be tended to as well because yeah. you can, yeah. So all, all women should be wearing a shirt that says baby under construction at all times. And keep in mind that it's happening 24 seven during that pregnancy. There is a baby under construction and that baby has thoughts and feelings and emotions. And it's directly tied into the mom and the vibrational frequency of her environment, including the dad and her mom and dad and aunts and uncles and kids and everything else is going on. So if, if she's in a chaotic, stressed out environment, that's creating a chaotic, stressed out environment for that, that child to develop. And that that's going to, affect that child. It's mm -hmm. absolutely going to affect that child's nervous system, its immune system, um, its emotions when it comes out. So it's really important to understand um, women that you need to put yourself first and guys that you really need to be like a sentry guard guarding your woman and that baby under construction and making sure that she's in a calm, quiet, happy state as much as possible and mm -hmm. shielding her from, you know, turn off the TV, turn off the news, loud noises, bangs and crashes, all this kind of stuff and create a peaceful environment, you know, 
Friggin good advice. Essential oils up and, um, you know, make sure to crack the windows. If you don't have a good air purification system, get some fresh air coming, especially at night, you know, mm -hmm. um, play nice music, calming music, classical music. Um, there's, you know, well, with Kundalini and stuff, I mean, yoga, there's lots of, you know, ohm. you could do some ohm music and, and, um, Sound and, baths, chanting. Yeah. Yeah. Chanting and stuff like that. Yeah, you brought up a good point as a piano partner. music. It, the thing I often get asked by the partner, what can I do, you know, to help? So you brought up a lot of good points there. Awesome. Um, awesome. Yeah. Okay. So what other, any other pitfalls? So we've kind of talked about, the, you know, get your nutrition, right. Be in a calm environment. Um, what, what, else, uh, you know, in the breast milk and all that stuff. And, you know, you should breastfeed for two years. We've talked about all these things. So what else are some pitfalls? Like, let's say somebody goes into, uh, Western medicine, what are some things that you've seen that they're doing that don't really line up with, with common sense and, and having a stress-free pregnancy? Pregnancy, um, and well, they, I would just have to say there's just, there's a lot of fear. It's very fear-based. Mm -hmm. um, the medical model versus the midwifery model of care is vastly different. Um, so I just have to say a lot of the testing and recommendations and approach to medically managing birth is based in fear or what if, or this could happen, so we better do this, you know? Um, but it's not really founded in a lot of hard evidence, you know, it, they just, instead of looking at each individual woman as an individual, they want to lump her into this, oh, well, this study said this is happening, so- One size you know, fits all medicine. You better do this thing, rather than looking at the person themselves. Like, they just get caught up in, in all of that, I just see. It's, it's, I feel like a lot of times it's a constant battle of, me helping them prepare their birth plan and their birth wishes versus what they want to do and how they want to manage it. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what I see. And I have the induction conversation very early on because I don't want them to be surprised at 39 weeks or 40 weeks. And all of a sudden the doctor is saying, well, we need to induce you because it's, it, to be honest with you, like they're very, induction happy mm -hmm. these days <laughs> so i would have to say that's kind of what they get caught up in and you know there are well, some it's not about the natural process it's about just like it's induce it we can do it at six and that's it your baby's going to be born today and then yeah you know, but nature that, doesn't work that, that way kind of it's like, yeah it's forcing nature um and nature doesn't work that way yeah it's like trying to eat an avocado a day or two before it's ripe. Exactly. It doesn't make sense. It's not going to be the same. Exactly. So, so induction, that's a really important point that I've really not talked about before. So I'm really glad you brought that up. I didn't know about that. That makes complete sense. Yeah. Um, I mean, there, other, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say the, the Pitocin, this is a, this is a chemical. And I know I talked about this in another episode, but it's like, Oh, don't worry. If it gets bad, we'll just, we'll just put you on Pitocin. You'll be flying. You'll be like, you know, basically drugged, but your blood's at 
coursing through your baby's blood. So you're drugging your baby. Your baby's going to be like, like a druggie coming out of you. Like literally, well, that's what. It- yeah. Well, I mean, Pitocin is synthetic oxytocin. That's what Pitocin is. Oxytocin is the hormone of love. Oxytocin is the, the hormone that starts labor. It's the, it's the hormone that keeps labor going. Okay. But it's also the hormone of love and intimacy. The one that, um, you know, is produced when all of those good feelings are happening. Yeah. So yes, it is synthetic and it's something that they, you know, give you IV. So it's a chemical. It's a man-made chemical. It's acid-based. Yeah. They, put it, they put it in the yeah. back and like, I, I, I get it because like nobody wants to be in pain and that kind of stuff. But I know a lot of women that are healthy themselves. They stayed in shape and they had doulas and stuff like that. And their pregnancies were a joyous affair. It was a beautiful, there's hardly any pain. And these women bounce back so fast. I mean, two weeks later, they're back in the gym. You can't even tell they had a kid. Like literally, like, it's like, whoa, like the, you know, when you're healthy, like out, like think, think about it out in nature. Like, uh, like if a, a, a lion has a, a kid, you don't, you know, the lion doesn't have, oh, I have the baby weight. That doesn't happen. Cause that freaking lion is plugged into nature. And I think that's yeah. you know a big problem we have is we're not plugged into nature, so it's 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 really hard harder on pregnancies. It's harder to recover, and then it disrupts hormonal stuff even more, and you don't come back because you were so out of whack in the first place. So we got pitocin, and then and then there's C-sections. Do you feel like they're rushing to C-sections as well? Well, the C-section rate is is a lot higher than it needs to be, you know. Um, yeah, I do believe that there are a lot of unnecessary cesareans. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of cesareans are a result of medical interventions. I don't know if you've heard of the cascade of inter- interventions. That, that happens. Well, I mean, if, if a woman is induced to begin with, her rate or chance of having a C-section is automatically increased just because of all the interventions cause problems, potential problems and stress on the baby, stress on the mother, and then, you know, low fetal heart rate, fetal heart tones, the mother can't move in labor like she normally would if she didn't have epidural and being hooked up to all the monitors and everything. So it can cause this cascade of interventions, which can lead to unnecessary C-sections. So the and induction then, then, point is the first step in that cascade of interventions then. So oh, it's an really automatic increase, up. an automatic increase okay. um, in your chance of having a C-section. Um, and I have a couple of statistics I thought were interesting. Um, I mean, there are a few websites you can go to to look. You can actually look up to see what your hospital C-section rate is. And each doctor has a C-section rate. Like you can even ask your doctor, what's your C-section rate? And that's very telling as well. But then the hospital that they work in has their own C-section rate. So you can look at that and you know, kind of see what you're surrounded by. But um, so there's a, an organization called the Midwifery Alliance of North America, and they report through birthing center births and home births, their C-section rate is 6.4%. Now, um, some hospital rates, like the national uh, C-section rate is around 30%. And that's 
24% higher. Hospital births. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It just makes sense. It's like you go to a baker, you bake, you go to a, um, uh, a surgeon, they cut, you go to a stockbroker, what are you going to walk out of there with stocks, bonds, mutual funds. So when you go into the medical community for birth, you are going to have a higher chance of induction, C-sections, Pitocin, mm -hmm. all that stuff is going to go up because it's there. And it's kind of gently nudged through a fear, fear process. Yeah. And we're talking about women who are just at low risk, you know, low risk pregnancies, not even have any risk factors. Just by being in the medical model of care, their C-section, their chance of having a C-section is that much higher. What's the best position to have a baby in? Is it laying on your side? Is it on your hands and knees? Um, is it sitting on a toilet? Is it um, on your back in stirrups, like at the hospital? What's the best way? You know, I mean, I've seen all kinds of positions in home birth and birthing center births and hospital births. Really, the best position to be in is what's is the is the baby descending through the pelvis is the pushing the the position that the mother is pushing in is it effective and the baby is descending you know because if not they can try different positions so i mean i've had plenty of home birth clients give birth on their back you know with their legs up but it was okay because you know that's the position she felt she should be in or she wasn't strapped into a cold metal. She wasn't, well, exactly. But being on your back isn't necessarily a bad thing or the wrong thing. But the reason why, you know, being on your back in the straps in the hospital is, is normally you see that when the mother has had an epidural um, is often used so that the doctor can be in their preferred position, you know, Right. And it's easier for them to admit, do their thing. Yeah. I, I wish I could remember that's, this because there was somebody, oh. somebody told me about that the back wasn't the best position, but I was, now it's coming back to me. I can't remember exactly why, but they said that like, I think squatting, like you're going to the bathroom was a very good position. Yeah. Just because it, um, because the baby has to, the baby, um, if they're in optimal position, which is when they come out, it's face down. Mm -hmm. Okay, not face up. Face up is sunny side up. You've heard sunny side up. It's yeah. Called OP. So when the baby comes out, they actually are looking down the floor. So the reason why laying on your back is suboptimal is because they have to go under the pelvic bone, like the baby's head. So the squatting position is more optimal for that because it kind of tilts the pelvis in a way for the baby to get through more easily. Awesome. So that's why. I mean, that's okay. really what it comes down to. Are there yeah. any other um, things that you would think are pitfalls that young mothers should look out for and young fathers when they're going through pregnancy or in the hospital or? You know, I mean, I think it's important to have a care provider um, that is on the same page as you, wants the same birth as you is supportive of your plans and your birth choices. Like, well, and now today, I don't know exactly when, you know, most people are going to listen to this like pretty soon. It'll be in 2022, but maybe you're listening to this later in the fall or, you know, 2023, 24, cause it's going to be out there for a while, hopefully. Um, if somebody, uh, I think I lost my train of thought. Um, we were talking about, um, you said what, what pitfalls and I 
was saying. Yeah, the, yeah, the pitfalls. Oh, so we're you know it's COVID. Okay, that's my whole point. It's COVID. Oh, that's a whole nother. You have to plan this because you have to ask the hospital that you're maybe thinking about using. Like this is like before you even get pregnant, or if you're just got pregnant, it's like call them up and say, hey, look, I'm gonna come use you for a hospital to have my baby. I need to know are how many people you're gonna allow into the room. It might be none. It might be one. Yeah. Well, so I mean that, that might yeah, be a definitely. problem. Yeah, I mean it's changed over COVID. It's been quite a, a ride, you know, mm-hmm. um, through the whole COVID thing. It's been at first uh, doulas were locked out, partners were locked out, uh, the mothers were having babies by themselves, you know, and then some were only letting the partner in. If the mother became COVID positive, the father couldn't, the the partner couldn't even come in, you know, and she they had- pro- What about had doulas? Are they, I've had are, a- are they forcing doulas to get vaccinated? Otherwise, won't allow them in now too? Well, the, a lot of hospitals are requiring vaccination or negative COVID tests within 72, 72 hours. So that means if I'm on call for a client that I have to go get a COVID test every 72 hours. That's ridiculous. Um, so yeah, this is a, yeah. This is I an mean, important point. I had to go and get one. I showed up to the hospital and they wouldn't let me in, so I actually had to go across the street and get a COVID test. And I've gotten COVID tests on the way to births, and but now they want to show they want you to show certification that you're certified doula. They never did that before. Um, and also, there's a lot of people giving wrong information. Like if you call the operator or somebody in the hospital and you ask can I have a doula? And they'll say, oh no, that, you know, that policy. Well, that's not the truth. Even some doctors don't know. Like I was, I had a client who had to go in for a C-section unplanned, like a month before she was due and she was bleeding. And the doctor said, well, go to the hospital. We are going to have a C-section today. And I called the hospital that morning and I said, um, I just want to make sure I can come. And the nurse said, oh yeah, yeah, you're, you're, your this was last September. She said, yeah, this was at the height of Delta too, you know, variant. And I said, oh, great. And so I'm at the urgent care getting my COVID test and my client calls me and she says, oh, the doctor came in and says, you can't be here. And so I said, wait a minute, I just talked to the hospital and they said I could. Let me call the nurses back and make sure. So I called the charge nurse. She verified. I said, I can be there. So the doctor didn't even know. So there's so much, I mean, during COVID, it's just been, it's been really challenging for doulas, for clients. I think a lot of people aren't even looking for a doula because they don't even think they can have one right now. And it's really unfortunate. They might not even know about it. They might get turned off because the doctor says, oh, you can't do that. So this is a important point before we go to break is that you're going to have a pregnancy and do you want to be in, you know, Because going into a hospital is basically like stepping on a wet bar of soap because it depends on who you're talking to, who's the doctor, what's changing in these guidelines that are that are moving around like crazy. Um, So you just don't know what you're going to walk into. But the reality is it could end up being it could be just you by yourself with a bunch of people that you don't know. And that's the reality where we could get to at some point. So for me, like if I was a woman or if my wife was wanting to have a child then I would be like, I, I, I want to, I would, I want to have everybody around me that loves me. I want to have a really loving nest of people around me with all that support and the kids well, that's, and that's have everybody getting involved with, have the doula there. And then like, and then that small, 
6.5% chance. You can just rush them up to the hospital if you need a C-section, right? Yeah. I mean, that's why a lot of people are choosing home birth right now because they know they can have the people that they want their support people to be there. I'll bet there's some mothers too. Are there some mothers that have had children in the hospitals, but because of the times that what's going on right now, they mm -hmm. had a birth at home and they've told you, I should have done this the whole time. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I should have, I should have done, I should have done every birth at home. It was such a better experience. Yeah. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Awesome. Or, or a lot of my clients say, you know, I really do want a home birth, but it is my first time. So, you know, or my husband's really scared. So we're just going to do it this time. And then after the birth, they say, you know, I think I'll do a home birth next time. Yeah. But yeah, awesome. I mean, there's a lot we're, to learn. There's, we're not telling you yeah. what to do, but we're just saying it's probably a good idea to go with there's, nature. When in doubt, well, go with the natural stuff. Go with what's worked for billions of years. If yeah, there's, there's just a lot of misconceptions about, there's a lot of misconceptions about home birth Absolutely, um, and a lot to learn. So awesome. Okay. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to get into some really cool stories um, that Stephanie's had with being a doula and some of the, we're going to talk about the positive stuff of having a doula, all the good things that can happen, why you'd want one and some of the cool success stories that she's had. We'll be right back. Turmeric has been used for thousands of years all across India and Southeast Asia and is one of the best anti-inflammatory compounds on earth. Now you can get these incredible benefits with the new chemical-free body turmeric 100 liquid drops. This ethically sourced breakthrough solution absorbs over 100 times better than regular turmeric products, eliminating the need to add black pepper. Turmeric 100 helps against inflammation and pain and is made with the same chemical-free body promise. No stimulants, 100% natural, and always made in the USA. Get yours today at chemicalfreebody.com. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here. I am back with Stephanie Enton. She is a birth doula, yoga instructor, dietitian, and award-winning photographer. Um, we've been focusing today heavily on the birth doula stuff because it's really important. You know, it's a pretty big, awesome, spectacular moment in in our lives to have that child. It's one of those things where a lot of people drop all their grievances and they set stuff down, and that people come together around birth and death, and it's a, it's a wonderful. Um, moment. And um, unfortunately, it's, um, it's being commercialized. And it's almost like people are treated like cattle. And um, what you're doing is awesome, because it's bringing back the humanity to like this very touching moment. And I like it that people are coming in, because of the the, the state of the times right now coming back home, more home births, learning about midwives, learning about doulas, taking responsibility for their health and their birth. And um, I think it's just a much better way to go. So why don't you tell us what are some of the benefits of, so what is a doula and what are the benefits? Just give us the general definition for somebody who doesn't know anything. Okay. Well, um, actually the word doula is a Greek word and it means a woman who serves. Now, I don't know exactly who came up with it, but basically it's just um, a doula is not a midwife because I get, I get asked that question all the time. A midwife is actually trained just like an OB is trained in normal natural birth. Like a midwife knows how to do vaginal exams, cervical checks. They know how to do neonatal uh, resuscitation, how to actually help birth the baby and, you know, all that technical medical stuff. A doula, I am uh, emotional support, physical support, education, um, 
knowledge. You know, I arm my clients with knowledge and I help them with a birth plan. I basically just help them prepare for their birth, like with everything they would need, you know, what to expect, whether it's hospital, home birth, do they need a childbirth class, you know, that they, you know, I give resources, um, preparing for postpartum. I help them, you know, like, what are they going to need after the baby's born? And so I'm physically there at the birth, you know, um, doing hip squeezes and, you know, dimming the lights and aromatherapy and just taking care of business, getting all the stuff, taking care of them. And I'm that one consistent person for them through pregnancy and through the labor and the birth that they can count on that they're familiar with, um, that believes in them, you know, just having that person who supports you and believes in you. And they come to me, you know, along the, the, the way, if, you know, something comes up and they'll say, you know, should we do this? You know? Um, so they come to me for advice or just the doctor said this thing, what is that? What does that mean? You know, and then I can help them. So you're, you're not like most of the people that, you know, aren't going through birth all the time. Cause you know, it happens once, twice, three times. Um, um, if you're Mormon, maybe 10 or 12, it's more possible. But, um, the reality is, is that, um, you're not like the deer you don't have the deer in the headlights thing going on. Like you're calm, you're in the eye of the storm. doesn't matter what's going around. You've been through it a bunch of times and you know how to bring them back to that, that focal point where they can be calm in the eye of the storm, no matter what's going on. So we can take care of the emotional component of that for the mother and the child to ease them through that birth. Yeah. So I think it's really, really cool. And I really think that Everybody should have a doula and maybe have a midwife, maybe have both. Definitely. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Why not have both? Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely biased. I mean, there are, you know, measured outcomes that doulas reduce C-section rates. Um, they reduce the, how long labor lasts. You know, there are a lot of statistics out there that show the direct effects of yeah. positive effects of having a doula. But some people might be like, well, but you know, I just want to get the C-section. Let's get it out. It's 6 p.m. I want to do this tomorrow. You know, it's like, or whatever. It's just safer. I'm scared. But you really have to think not about just yourself either, but that baby. Like when the baby goes through the vaginal canal, I was told this a long time ago. It's it, it's actually a chiropractor told me it like goes through and it's like, as it goes through that tight pressure area, it's like, and it's like a shocking, It's just, it's like it wakes up the entire nervous system to launch the baby in this new world. It's part yeah, of a it helps process. Yeah. Part of a microbiome. system. There's the microbiome. Um, yep, that's the another one. That the baby gets from vaginal birth. Um, it helps the lungs. Babies born C-section sometimes need help, you know, with breathing and things like that. So you're right. There are a lot of magical, unexplained things that happen when the baby. Yeah. So somebody like you that's there, you're probably like, okay, this is unfortunate. You're one of the six and a half percenters. We have to do the, the, you know, the C-section, but I'm going to take a cotton swab. We're going to swab the vaginal area and we're going to put that in a glass jar and we're going to hold that. So when the baby comes out C-section, then we're going to rub this in the baby's eyes, its nose, its mouth. We're going to rub this all over the baby. That's amazing that you know about this. Because it, it could be, yeah, thanks. Because it should, it, it, it didn't go through the vaginal canal. So it didn't get shocked and it didn't get all those natural juices that were 
the first steps of loading that child's immune system up for to strengthen it for life. So it's very important. Yeah. And um, I mean, if a client does have to have a C-section that, you know, I can help them have the best C-section possible, you yeah. know, skin to skin in the OR. Yeah. You know, and you can't, you can't just like, Oh, you need to do this right at the, you need to learn about this stuff ahead of time. Because when you're having a baby, you can't really make, it's not the easiest thing to make decisions. That's why you want to have a midwife and a doula there to help you because you're having a kid, right? Yeah. So you need somebody there that supports you. So getting educated on this stuff ahead of time, you know, I'm saying stuff, Stephanie's saying stuff, but you need to go get educated on this yourself so that you know it in your bones and you get, get a good support staff around you. So important. Yeah. So um, I, well, go ahead. Well, I guess I, I was just thinking about what you said about somebody who says, well, I just want to have a C-section, you know, listen, everybody has their own journey, you know, their own birth journey to go on and it comes from their background whatever it was the stories they were told you know what their friends are doing what's normal what's not i guess you know most people who just want to have a c section aren't seeking a doula you know mm -hmm. they'll ju they're just going to have a c section but what i have to say is like if if and if you have just like an inkling of wanting to know could i do this a different way you know that's when you should seek out talking to a doula or looking into it and finding out like, okay, I think I want to just have a C-section, but you know what? I'm kind of really curious about trying it vaginally. Like I had a C-section the first time. Can I have a VBAC? You know, a lot of women that have had a C-section think they have to have another C-section again, but that's not true. God, I hate getting cut. Um, I don't like and VBAC rates are better in a home birth and a birthing center situation than at a hospital. Mm -hmm. So I would just say, you know, seek out, find out if yeah, look at the statistics, if like, that is, is right for you, because no matter what the, the biggest, the bottom line is no matter what birth you choose to have, you should feel really good about it. You should feel empowered about it. You should feel that that is the right, best choice for you, given the information that you have. Right. Because I don't, you know, I'm not a doula to shame anyone for having a C section or an epidural or whatever. My job is to make sure that they feel empowered, educated, and that they feel really good about that choice that they made. Mm -hmm. Because in the end, you that's what you try to prevent is the trauma, you know, the birth trauma and the regrets and all the things that happen after. Because that's what, you know, how you're born. And how the mother is and her birth experience matters so much. Yeah. In the end. So cool. I have to say. So what are why don't you give us a success story or two? Just some recent ones. Um, like somebody was like, Hey, I, I think I might want a doula. And then you took them through the whole process and what what did they say afterwards and that kind of stuff? Oh my gosh. I'm trying to think of um you want a hospital story? Home oh, you, we did. Story? We did that one in the beginning. We'll start. Let's just start off with a home birth. A home birth story. Yeah. Oh gosh, which one stands out to me? I'd have to say, um, Juliet, a client in summer 2020. She, yeah, she really wanted a home birth. And she got a midwife and a doctor to do her home birth. And she hired me to be her doula. And um, her parents 
were she's from Colombia and she wanted her parents there, but they couldn't come. So they ended up being on the cell phone on FaceTime during mm -hmm. her birth. But um, you know, you, as as like since you're a 21st century doula, did you have like a GoPro on your head for the parents? Were you like down there like hey? <laughs> well, I was actually videoing this one too. I was oh, doula, really? I was doula and taking photos and taking video. Oh, so you're the photographer, the videographer, and the yeah, doula. I was I was doing all of it for her. Um, but just you know, I guess she would be an example of a woman who knew what she wanted. She got the team together that were that was going to help her do it, and she did it. And but you know, it's not easy. I mean, during the during the birth, she was crying, she was you know doubting herself, but that's just part of it. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, going against societal norms. Yeah, and in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, yeah, just you know, her husband had a lot of doubts and fears because he was an EMT, you know, he was in the medical field and he was terrified. I mean, that's very common is to have a lot of terrified partners. Either their parents are, you know, in the medical field or they hear stories or they're just uh, scared about it. So oftentimes it's the mother who's like, I can do this, you know, and the partner's like, are you sure? I don't know. And, um, but I have to say, partners I see they're transformed by the experience you know actually going through something they didn't knew nothing about really and were afraid of and seeing how beautiful it can be mm -hmm. and seeing that that's pretty incredible so you, you actually the doulas help turn the the pregnant women into like like Clint Eastwood and the good and the bad and the ugly it's like <laughs> ah and then the bad guys come up and they're all, they're going crazy and they're shooting they're all fearful like ah he's gonna kill me bang 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 and they're shooting like that and Clint Eastwood just pulls his gun out and is like bang dead bang dead bang dead the women are just exactly. like I got this I got my breath work that I practice oh I got this it's gonna come out you know it's like I'm gonna breastfeed I'm gonna do I'm, I'm not doing pitocin I because I'm doing my breath work you know it's like they just have the tool set and the confidence going into it from the team so I really applaud that woman yeah, she, she took 100% yeah. responsibility for the birth, set up the team. Mm -hmm. um, she practiced it. Um, it's always scary, no matter what, you know, um, you know, for having a birth the first time, I would imagine, because it's so you've just never done it before. It's such as like, this is crazy, you know. But the reality is uh, something that's coming back to me. I always talk about this is that, you know, this gentleman at the Hippocrates Health Institute, when I was there, we were in a class and he'd been. I think he was on his third week on the program. And usually after about three weeks there, you feel about 20, 30 years younger than you felt in the law. I mean, you feel freaking amazing. Like you come off the standard mm -hmm. diet, American diet, you go there, you get cleaned up. First week's kind of hell because you're going through the detox deal. But then after that, man, you just come back, you feel great. And week two, you feel better. And week three, you're just like, oh my God, I'm taking on the world. And he's like, okay, Brian, what do I do though? This is great. I feel amazing. I haven't felt this great for years, but um, how do I go home and live the this crazy life in the real world? And Brian said, you, you got the question all wrong. He said, the real question is how do we go back and live in a real way in a crazy world? Mm. And that's where we're at today. And yeah. for some reason that, and what it is, there's actually system scientists, guys, system scientists, there's about five, 8,000 of them. They are being used by certain people to, and, and through media and constant, you know, programming to get us to think a certain way 
to take away our power and put you in fear mode. And then you hand your power over to somebody else and then don't worry about, we'll take care of it. And we're all about you owning your own power, you being your, your, you know, your own doctor and you uh, learning how to self heal. That's what it's really all about. And we have to, this is a major shift in consciousness. This isn't just about, you know, changing how you eat and doing a detox. It's about really raising consciousness. You brought up a good point about giving your own power away. And that would definitely be a pitfall. You know, one of the pitfalls you were saying these days is just giving your own power away and just letting someone else take the reins, you know? Yeah. So, so let's just give, give me an idea. Like, so what's it like, what's the atmosphere like after a successful home birth and everybody's just kind of sitting around, just kind of paint a picture. Who's there? Kids, moms, dads running around, dogs. Oh my gosh. It's so beautiful and wonderful because it's just, it's not rushed. It's just, you know, the baby's born, goes right on mama's chest. Um, you don't cut the umbilical cord blood right away. Cord right I would away. Have, no, no, it's not standard practice in home birth and birthing center. They just uh, baby on chest and then wait until you know the placenta is born. The placenta is born, and then they don't even clamp and cut the cord. Then even like some people like to wait a little bit and have the placenta next to the baby you know, while the mom starts breastfeeding. And some people like to do cord burning ceremonies where they burn the cord with the candle instead of cutting it. So they bring a lot of ceremony to it. So I'd have to say, you know, at home birth, it's like the midwives are um, fixing food for the mother. And while the mother is, you know, with the baby, the father is you know, or partner is there next to, to them on the bed. Um, and then they, you know, weigh the baby after about probably a couple of hours, they don't even do the newborn assessment for a while. Yeah. I just let the baby chill. It's just a lot more chill, you know, it's just, and then other family members might be at the birth or not just depends Mm -hmm. like the siblings. I, I even had one last April, there were two older brothers and it was a surprise birth they didn't know what they were having and they ended up having a third boy. And this boy was actually, the baby was born on the toilet. <laughs> the baby came so fast and they were filling up the birth tub and she didn't make it. But the, one of the cutest things was the oldest sibling is he had- um, Hey, he real quick. Went, this is why everybody should use non-toxic toilet cleaners. Oh. Come on, people. <laughs> yeah, Gotta I mean, the baby here. doesn't fall in the toilet. <laughs> Yeah, luckily the midwife was there to get help no get the baby and the husband. But um, that's funny. So yeah, the oldest he got on, he went into his room and he got on his zip down PJs so that he could do skin to skin with the baby. Mm-hmm. It was the cutest thing. So he gets on the on the bed and does skin to skin with his little brother that's brand new. So oh, cool. you know, it the family just gets to be there and. You know, it's just, it's a beautiful thing. I mean, it's a feeling that I, it's kind of like a, it's a high. It's, yeah. you know, like an you're in the comfort of your own home. That's the beautiful part about it. Yeah. But it just feels so good for me to help them. And it's just oxytocin is just flowing. You know, yeah. Crazy. So you're kind of like, you're an on call gal. Like you could uh, be one in the morning and like, get over here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, my, I, I live by the seat of my pants. 
Um, I mean, I've had months where I have seven clients do, you know, sometimes it's two or three, sometimes it's five. Yeah. So, you know, it can be kind of, yeah, I'm on call all the time. So that's a, a noble profession. Like, mm-hmm. cause you're actually sacrificing your sleep for that. Sacrificing my sleep, potential parties, dates, you know, all kinds right. of things. I've been, I've been fortunate, you know, I've made most of the major things in my children's Mm -hmm. lives being a birth worker. So. Yeah, that's, that's, that's right. You have your own kids too. So you got to take off in the middle of the night. Somebody else is going to have to take care of things in the morning. I get it. Yeah. So so. yeah, it's a team effort, right? It definitely is. Awesome. Well, it's been uh, super exciting uh, having you on the show. It's been my pleasure. And um, wow. I think, uh, you know, I actually, I really learned a couple things here that I, you know, the whole induction thing, you know, I didn't, the inducing of pregnancy, I didn't realize that that's like a big deal. Mm-hmm. It's a really big deal that yeah. creates this, um, like domino effect. You called it the, the birth, the cast, the birth cascade, cascade of interventions. Yeah. Cascade, cascade. of interventions. Okay. Get my- yeah. They talk a lot about it in the business of being born. Um, the movie that Ricky Lake and Abby Epstein produced. I'm, I'm sure you've heard of it. They talk about that a lot. Cascade That's usually, yeah, the business of being born. It's usually one of the first films and books that a lot of people that want to look into having a different birth. That's what they read. Awesome. But yeah. Well, and since, you know, we have you here before we wrap up, I was going to ask you too, what do you recommend uh, or what type of like supplements or vitamins and prenatals and stuff like that? Do you recommend that stuff? I'm assuming you do. And what, what, what types in general? I mean, I do. I mean, most, I'd have to say most of my clients are already on a prenatal. I just, you know, I, I tell them to use a good quality prenatal. Um, magnesium is another big thing that's good to take in pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, Anytime, actually, we're so deficient. Well, yeah, definitely. But especially in pregnancy. Yes, very much so. Foot soaks um, every day. <laughs> probiotics. I recommend a lot of probiotics. Um, you know, I mean, I try not to overstep my boundaries, you know, too much. I have to kind of like walk a fine line because, you know, I want to see what does their practitioner recommend. And then right. I talk to them like, okay you know, are you open to taking this or that? I try not to go overboard with too much supplementation during pregnancy, but, you know, particular things like the- Make sure they're taking the right stuff and healthy and natural without synthetics Mm -hmm. and binders and fillers and flow agents. Yeah. You know, one thing that we have, I had a a gal, she's actually, uh, she was Mrs. Oregon, 2021, Tiffany Gidley. When she had her first child, she called me, she's like, Tim, and I think- that they put her on some pain medications, which gave her big constipation. Oh yeah. Like she's like, I am about ready to pop. I'm pregnant and I haven't pooped in two days. This is not a fun experience. So (laughs) we sent her down some gut detox and, and that helped her get things moving and stuff gently. So she had her baby and she raved about it and stuff like that. But you know, some of those chemicals that they put in there can, you know, stop the bowels from moving. So well, anyway, Stephanie, thank you for coming on. Any last words of advice for young parents, especially these young mothers thinking about, you know, having a child today? Well, definitely get a doula. <laughs> um, a doula, you know, can help with 
all kinds, even if they don't attend the birth, they can help you plan the birth and guide you in, you know, a lot of directions. I'd say, you know, get the birth team that is aligned with the kind of birth that you want to have. And, you know, just surround yourself with supportive people and, you know, good information. I know it's hard yeah. to decipher what's good information, but the main thing is, is just to have a supportive environment around you yeah. to help you have the birth that you want to have. Yeah. And I would probably say I would, I'm a big advocate for home birth, huge advocate for that. So yeah, awesome. We didn't even talk yeah. about that. <laughs> oh, we'll have to have you back on. So where do people find you, Stephanie, if they want to, if they're in your local area, like where, where are you, where are you located at? So for people listening, if they're local, they could find you, or maybe they want to call you and get a, a phone consult. Where, what's the best place to get hold of you? Sure. Sure. I'm doing a lot of remote doula support these days too. So, um, I am in Los Angeles and I live, you know, Los Angeles is very big, but, and I travel all over for my work, um, but I live in the Valley in Tarzana. Um, you can reach me at my website. It's littleplumphoto.com. I'm also on Instagram at littleplumphoto. And my phone number is 310-985-9985. And my email is stephanie at littleplumphoto.com. Okay, that's a good many ways to get a hold of her. So littleplumphoto.com. So she not only can help you be the doula and help you with the pregnancy, but she can uh, memorialize the event through photography and videography. Pretty cool. You guys can also reach her at 310-985-9985. So that's awesome. And thank you, our health heroes around the world for tuning in. Um, you know, it's a it's a symbiotic relationship that we have, right, guys? So, you know, uh, you guys listen to the content, you like what you like, you leave a like, you leave comments and share, which is pretty important to help get it out there. I do my part. I go find really amazing people like Stephanie that uh, resonate with like uh, what I believe in as far as us, you know, self-healing, becoming our own doctor, uh, defending public health, um, getting back to nature and just doing things with a lot of common sense um, baked in is um is very important i will continue to do this um it is a, a mission that i am on to help people raise consciousness boost your immune system be the healthiest version of you that you can so you can fight for freedom and truth in this world that we're living in today and um we just we just need that we need that there's so many good decent hard-working people out there that need this information that are looking for it so if you found this valuable Please forward this information, share this podcast with other people. We'll do our best to keep bringing you great content. I love you guys. I thank you so much for your participation and be, being part of the ripple effect that we're creating over here. And until next time, change yourself, change your world, and we'll see you again soon. Bye for now. Thanks for listening again to the Health Hero Show. I'm your host, Tim James. And remember, change yourself, change your world, and we'll see you again on the next episode. Talk to you soon. You have just listened to The Health Hero Show with Tim James. <laughs>